This AIM podcast is brought to you by Indiana American Water, providing quality water and wastewater services for more than 1.3 million residents across the state. With more than 135 years of experience in the industry, our team of dedicated professionals is ready to help you find customized solutions for your water and wastewater challenges. Reach out today to learn more at 317-995-2410 or visit us online at indianaamwater.com. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. This podcast is designed to offer insights, best practices, and innovative solutions for the challenges facing Hoosier cities and towns. Each edition will offer ideas and inspiration while showcasing the talent and commitment of Indiana's local leaders. Enjoy the program. Welcome to AIM Hometown Innovations Podcast. I'm Matt Greller with AIM. Today, we're joined by Madison Mayor Bob Courtney. Uh, Mayor Courtney, you uh, took office in October 2019. You're a lifelong resident of Madison. Uh, great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's an honor to be Madison's mayor, and, and certainly I'm a grateful uh, member of AIM and appreciative of all you guys do for us. Thanks, Mayor. Usually we talk about uh, all the fun stuff going on in communities, the great quality of life projects. We're going to start out, though, today with a, a little more serious topic, Mayor, if that's okay with you. We know that uh, many people struggle with addiction and, and substance abuse disorders. Uh, you know, it's no, nobody's immune from those impacts. Big city, small city, little town, big town. Uh, the city of Madison certainly has been uh, at the forefront of trying to deal with some of those issues. So, Mayor, maybe just talk a little bit about what the issues have been in your community and some of the innovative programs uh, that you're working on. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Um, you know, since becoming Madison's mayor in 2019, not a day has gone by where we haven't uh, worked on executing strategies that improve the quality of life in Madison, Indiana, for everyone. And it's a very multifaceted task that's before us that every, you know, uh, elected official or anybody who's involved in public policy across uh, the state and at the state level, we're all dealing with very similar issues, which is how do we rein in or provide, you know, hope and solutions to those who are suffering from addiction. And um, I, I will say that off the, off the uh, uh, cuff of all of this, I don't believe very many cities uh, are really prepared for this this task. You know, our basic um, you know operations here in government. You know, we're talking about economic development and you know streets and sidewalks and providing utility services and and you know promoting tourism. We're doing lots of things that uh, really apply to majority of our community, and we're we're good at those things. The things that are really really harder to solve are those things like addiction and, and substance use and, and mental health issues, because you really have to dig into the, you know, the, the root causes and get at the personal level. Uh, and not every, you know, solution is a solution for everyone. And that makes it extremely challenging and a, a very, very difficult task that I know every mayor and all my predecessors too, they're dealing, they're dealing with it across their communities. But we have to we have to work on this because uh, quality of life is important for everybody who lives here, 
works here, visits here, uh, invests here, and we have to attack every problem head on. And that's what we do we do in Madison, but it's very multifaceted and very complicated. So what are some of the specifics you're working on, Mayor? What are some of the tasks or actions that you're taking to uh, try to address some of the issues? Well, one of the things that we, we start with, uh, and I think this is universal too, is we try to collect good data and information. You know, it's, it's hard to implement a strategy if you don't have data that then can be, you know, turned into usable information that then you can talk about with other stakeholders across the community and form a plan. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm able to springboard off of some work that was done probably about six or seven years ago uh, with a group of leaders in our community. And they did a community needs assessment to identify what are some of the top issues in our community. Uh, and certainly back then, uh, and it's still true and probably even more true today, uh, while Madison is a fantastic place to live, services were lacking or access to services were lacking with regard to substance use disorders and, and mental health. And that has been the hardest thing to bring some things to the, to the forefront. And even working with our uh, local health department and local health care providers, it's a very difficult thing to do because of the amount of investment that it is going to require and as I said, not every you know solution works for people because they're so different. Uh, one of my good friends here in Madison, uh, he's a pastor, uh, J.D. Trailer, and he he said it best years ago, and that is the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And when you try to bring solutions that are so specific and individualized, it's extremely challenging. But uh, some of the solutions we're bringing uh, to the table was out of that community needs assessment that was done about, like I said, six or seven years ago, it formed an initiative and it's called the Healthy Communities Initiative. And what we have to do when we're attacking problems at the root level of any community is you have to have strong community engagement. And uh, out of that uh, community needs assessment was, the, was born the Healthy Communities Initiative. And it was a group of stakeholders, policymakers, healthcare providers, social workers, um, mental health providers, uh, those in the uh, uh, corrections system. Um, it was just a strong, our, our local hospital doctors, just a tremendous amount of people, industry leaders, you know, because we all look at this as a as the master a problem that it is. If we don't have, you know, a healthy community, um, that is either, you know, ranging from, and, that, and we've also got the schools involved here, ranging from, you know, childhood all the way to adults, then what kind of community are we going to have? Uh, what's the quality of life going to be? How do we provide, you know, healthy workforce to a growing economy? There's so many factors that can set a community back um, and certainly not dealing with substance use disorders and mental health, for example, or making investments in public health that are necessary, it will hold a community back. And it's remarkable how fast uh, a quarter century goes by and then you're really positioned for growth, but uh, the growth isn't gonna happen if you're not preparing for some of these things. But Healthy Community Initiative has been foundational, I think, for our community. And then from there, you can really start looking at different options, but it was collecting the data 
about, about where we are and what our community needs so that we can take that data and extrapolate it into a plan. And everywhere we go, you know, particularly for funding sources, whether it be with the uh, other partnerships that we have with Indiana De Mental, the Department of Mental Health and Addiction or FSSA, uh, we're always being tasked with providing information. We're actually going through round two now of a community needs assessment because we want to build a residential treatment uh, facility here close to our community for those who have a, a use disorder. But uh, I would like to name just a few things here. Uh, but it all comes back to making the proper investment and having the right amount of stakeholder influence to see it through. And it's a long process. Uh, nothing happens quickly. Uh, if you talk to some of the you know, veteran social workers in our community, you know, this has been an evolving issue for decades. And you can see where public policy has really helped or has really hindered the initiative. Um, and, and that's what I think a lot of our veterans will say is that they could kind of see it coming, but there really wasn't anything they could do about it just because of the way public policy was, uh, was being directed at the state level, which provides a lot of the funding for substance use disorders and mental health care. And then at the local level, you know, the majority of our uh, public health is funded by property taxes, and we've had many conversations about that. Uh, and we know that there's, you know, current activity in uh, this year's legislative session that's dealing with both public health and mental health. And it's coming back to the core, which is we've got to make a greater investment if we're going to make a greater difference and have these measurable outcomes. Um, Mary, you, you alluded yeah. to it a little bit. You know, my my wife has a mental health practice and she always talks about or I hear her talking about you can be in addict and, and be clean, if you will, for 30 years, but you're still working every day, even 30 years after the fact on the issue. Same with alcoholism and all the other, you know, disorders that we we hear about in today's world. You mentioned about how it's been an evolving process in Madison and it's going to have to continue to evolve for forever. Um, it sounds like, you know, as you, in your role as mayor, you've been a real convener. You're not going to be mayor forever in the city of Madison. I know you want to be for at least another term, but another term. It, it's not yep. going to be forever. So how do you how do you pass along that leadership torch, not only from mayor to mayor, but from community activist to mental health provider to social worker to school health uh, professionals, et cetera, et cetera, to make sure it's just a sustained effort in the community? That's a really good point. There's you just mentioned a lot of hats that people have to wear in order to improve our community. It's about building good relationships and getting buy-in from your stakeholders, uh, assessing the need, and then putting a plan together and having good policy uh, that will long survive. You know my tenure here in Madison, and you know I consider myself. You know we've talked a lot about track, but carrying the baton for a period of time and then passing that baton off for the next generation of leaders. And, and that's what we do. We, we pivot off of the work that my predecessors have made. Uh, we wanna make a difference while we're here. And we if we make the right level of investment, then that investment will continue because it'll make, it'll make a difference. We don't wanna make, you know, we don't wanna throw money at a problem. And I think that often is a government solution is to just throw money at it. 
and it doesn't really create the outcomes that you need. So it has to be very, very intentional. And we can't help everybody. Um, and sometimes government also takes a shotgun approach, thinking I've got to deal, I've got to deal with every problem that everybody has. And, and then what you don't get really is the sustainable outcome that you want. But it really is about the engagement and starting to put together every piece of the puzzle uh, for, particularly on the substance use side of things, it, it is about education, it's about um, prevention, it's about treatment, and it's also about enforcement. And so there's so many partnerships that are involved in those four pillars of dealing with substance use disorders that make it extremely important, uh, difficult, uh, worthwhile, and also, you know, elevates our community to recognize that we've just got to make a greater level of investment if we're going to make it happen. I, I'm a big champion of having a, a, a long-term vision and plan, but having these wins along the way, and those wins create momentum. And uh, I think sometimes if you talk too far into the future, uh, you, you you fatigue, you create a, a, what we called back in my banking days, deal fatigue, um, because you can't see the finish line. Move that finish line up like you would in a in a relay, and you're handing off that baton, you've ran a race, you've, you've uh, handed it off for somebody else to carry it for another distance, and then you can make some progress there. One of the things that I've been working on uh, in, in the three and a half years I've been in office now is a program in the jail system. And uh, a lot of our uh, substance use disorders are coming from uh, those who are also you know, committing uh, drug-related drug crimes. Most communities, I think, would say that it's easy to deal with the enforcement side of things. You know, you hire more police officers, you do more patrols, you get more aggressive and assertives on your arrests. Well, what do you what's the systemic problem with that is that you're not you're not curing anybody. You're not uh, giving them a, a path to sobriety. Uh, you're just basically putting them into a criminal justice system that, frankly, makes things a lot harder uh, for for people to overcome their their addiction. Uh, so one of the things we've been working with in, in partnership with our, our county commissioners uh, and our uh, sheriff's department and our health providers through the Healthy Community Initiatives is a, a program that was launched by uh, in a pilot uh, on a pilot basis, I believe, with Attorney General Curtis Hill. And it's a program called JCAP, Jail Chemical Addiction Program. It's got several different versions of it but it's beyond a pilot initiative now and many communities or county jails have implemented it. And uh, we're gonna do the same thing in our new jail, Jefferson County is building a 45 million or making a $45 million investment, I uh, should say in a, a new community jail that's gonna be very modernized, but there's also uh, a much more um, uh, uh, way to facilitate uh, addiction recovery and treatment services to those who are, you know, at a very vulnerable time in their lives who are incarcerated. And so we've been working on putting the pieces together. And it, even that is very complicated because you have to deal with, you know, the population, the programming, the funding, the, the safety of everybody involved in that initiative. Uh, but it's called uh, Jail Chem Chemical Addiction Program. 
And, you know, we have been very successful in working with uh, our community JRAC. If you're familiar with that term, that is the Justice uh, Reinvestment Advisory Council. It's very important for us to implement uh, a program in the jail and start to get some, um, you know, uh, return on that investment uh, at that stage. And then, but then there's also got to be a handoff from there. There's got to be peer peer recovery. Uh, there's got to be programs to help them uh, continue their journey along sobriety. There's got to be transitional housing. There's got to be work opportunities. There's a whole uh, lifelong um, stream, uh, as Dr. Box calls it, a work stream relative to how do we provide services in our community uh, for, for those that way. That's just one element of it. So, you know, the JRAC, the uh, Healthy Communities Initiative, the uh, residential treatment subcommittees, the um, partnerships with uh, IDMHA has been really helpful because through their grant programs, they're now funding a community coordinator position for us. Matt, the other thing I learned too is I can't do it all myself. <laughs> and as much as I want to, uh, we need resources. And uh, I'm not trained in mental health. I'm not trained in substance use disorder uh, treatment practices. But I've got to I've got to identify who is, and make those my partners uh, and join them in doing what I can from a funding or policy or grant uh, perspective to bring resources. But uh, recently, Jefferson County was awarded a grant from the Indiana Department of Mental Health and Addiction uh, Agency for a community coordinator. And that is somebody now who's able to focus all their time on bringing solutions to our community and continuing to build that level of engagement do the assessments and data collection that's necessary. So then we can go back uh, to FSSA or uh, IDMHA or other grant sources and look for funding for longer term solutions as well. Well, Mayor, let's switch gears just a little bit. Um, although it's not a, a big leap, you know, in, in communities like Madison and many other communities across the state, quality of life is vitally important to helping uh, citizens of all walks of life, whether they have a substance use disorder or not, uh, to making you know, making sure we have those resources available, making sure we have those outlets available. You've got a really cool project underway. I think it was just recently announced. You had an, an old uh, WPA era swimming pool, I believe, that uh, is getting ready to see a, a major facelift. You wanna talk a little bit about that and the exciting <clears throat> news there? Uh, yes, thank you for teeing that up for me. And I, I do need to make an announcement that uh, I was a lifeguard uh, at this pool and also managed that. I managed Crystal Beach during yeah, summer Yeah, yeah break. but not when it was built. <laughs> not when it was built. No, this was a long time ago during, during high school and college days. But it's an important asset um, for the city of Madison and actually for the region. It's uh, probably one of the last surviving WPA swimming pools that was built back in the 1930s. It was all about economic development and creating jobs and recovering from a bad national economy, but also making investments across communities and rural communities where the beneficiaries of uh, the work, not only by the WPA, but Clifty Falls State Park, which is just up the street here as well, was, was built by the uh, 
uh, Conservation Corps uh, many, many decades ago as well. And it, it is so impactful to the quality of life and our National Historic Landmark District uh, status and our riverfront development. Uh, it is one of many investments that we're making in a, in a program that we've coined uh, the last few years called Destination Madison. But it's going to be a beautiful aquatic park and uh, it's restoring the 1938 uh, pool house, making it accessible for all. That's going to be year round uh, space to be utilized. But the pool itself as well, um, unfortunately, had seen its demise uh, that we had all been talking about for, for a quarter of a century. And it finally landed here and with some great partnerships across the community, um, design and engineering and architecture and support by our city council, our county county council, county commissioners. It was another one of those stakeholder uh, once in a lifetime things that we're now able to reinvest in our community for the next half century or longer on something that's gonna bring joy to all ages, all abilities, seniors, children alike, sports and, and mental, uh, mental uh, health and wellness programming. And uh, very pleased to announce this week that we also received uh, the very first uh, largest statement investment by a new foundation here in our community called the Bethany Legacy Foundation made a $2 million uh, grant to our uh, project to bring these resources to the community. So we're extremely thrilled about it. And it's one of probably over a dozen like investments that we're making and bringing to fruition all across our community. Well, Mayor, thank you uh, so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, as always, it's really fun to talk to you. you. You're nonstop. You may say you can't do it all, but it seems like you have the energy to at least give it a shot. Uh, Madison's on a great track. Certainly appreciate you joining the AIM Hometown Innovations podcast today, and we'll talk to you soon. 